The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It's that time of the week again, folks. This is me, your host, Richard McColl, here in Mompos, Colombia. So I'm five and a half hours inland. It's the interior Caribbean coastal area, just five and a half hours from Cartagena. And this, unbelievably, is episode 500 of the Columbia Calling podcast. It is a great It means a great deal to me that there are those of you who return week in, week out to listen to this podcast, which has surpassed 10 years on the air and has gone strength to strength. Of course, we wouldn't have gotten here without Emily Hart on the news, without the help of Adrian Elsimer in the past and others who have collaborated as well. I am... Well, I'm kind of speechless, which is not good for radio, but I'm kind of speechless that we've got to episode 500. And I know that you are all clamoring for a top ranking guest on this episode uh, as it's so significant. And I think we've come up with someone incredibly notable in Fernando Montaño, the principal, former principal dancer of the Royal Ballet, the first Colombian to dance with the Royal Ballet, and so much more, originally from Buenaventura on the Colombian Pacific Coast, and how his life developed. And we talked to him from here, Montpost, to his home in London at the moment. So hopefully we are coming through for you, the listener, with, uh, well, an an invitation to the podcast as someone who really needs no introduction to almost anyone around the world. This is a proper, I don't want to say celebrity, but I want to say a recognizable person in the arts world, in the dance world, who has agreed so kindly and with great humility to come on the Columbia Calling podcast. Just the two of us here, Emily and myself, Recording away, week in, week out, the news, various interviews, conversations, ruminations, and so on. 500 episodes later, here we are. So this is a huge thank you to each and every one of you out there. Thank you so much for succeeding. It's down to you that we've become a success. It's down to you that we can continue to broadcast. And again, as I said, I'm speechless, but... Enough from me, over to Emily with the news, and then on to the really quite inspirational story, which will be told by Fernando Montaño himself, his story of coming from Buenaventura, via Cuba, via Italia, Italy, all the way to London as a, well, the top-ranking ballet dancer ever to have come out of Colombia. Incredible, really. Incredible that we should be able to have this episode now. So thank you again. Over to some messages from our sponsors and then to Emily Hart with the news and on to our conversation with Fernando Montaño. Bye-bye. The Columbia Calling podcast is sponsored by Latin News, a leading source of political and economic analysis on Latin America and the Caribbean since 1967. Their flagship publication, the Latin American Weekly Report, provides a behind-the-scenes briefing on all the week's key developments throughout the region. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at latinnews.com. We are also sponsored by... BNB Columbia Tours, which is a leading tour operator providing a wonderful range of exclusive small group shared tours for those over 50, along with customizable private tours to both popular and off-the-map 
destinations throughout this beautiful and diverse country. If you're interested in experiencing one of their unforgettable journeys through Colombia, be it a shared tour with like-minded travelers or creating a unique private package of your own, just complete the form on the Columbia Calling website, that's www.columbiacalling.co, or the BNB Columbia Tours website, that's www.bnbcolumbia.com, and they'll be in touch within 24 hours to answer all of your questions and to start the planning of your exclusive Colombian adventure. So that's bnbcolumbia.com and latinnews.com. Dot com. Thank you for supporting our sponsors. I'm Emily Hart, and these are your top stories for the week of January 8th, 2024. Colombia's new local governments, having been elected last October, took possession across the country this week. Carlos Fernando Galán is now mayor of Bogotá, vowing to address security and hunger. Federico Gutierrez is now serving his second, though non-consecutive, term as mayor of Medellín promising to tackle corruption and hunger, foster unity, and end the exploitation of children for sex. Alejandro Eder, now the mayor of Cali, has announced a tough new approach to crime in the city. Meanwhile, in Bucaramanga, new mayor, Pastor Jaime Beltran, has declared an affinity with El Salvador's authoritarian president, Nayib Bukele. Barranquilla once again has Alex Char as mayor, now serving his third term with promises of a new seafront development and improvement of homes. Meanwhile, in Cartagena, the new mayor, Dumek Turbay, has refused to begin holding office from the traditional alcaldía buildings until an exorcism has been carried out by the Catholic Church. This is due to previous mayor, William Dow, being, Turbay claims, a malevolent, diabolical being. Local leaders remain under acute threat across Colombia. Councillor Eliesid Avila was murdered in Tuluá, Valle de Cauca, in the early hours of New Year's Day as he celebrated with his family. He was reportedly assassinated by criminal group La Inmaculada, though motives remain unclear. There was also an armed assassination attempt against Ivan Enrique Salguero, a Girardot councillor, the same day. A joint operation between Colombia and Ecuador has reportedly broken up a criminal group known as La Curva, a group of drug traffickers run by two Colombian brothers, Ader and Dairon Cuero, who were allegedly making around $2 billion a year in the trade of cocaine to the US, exporting around five tonnes per month to buyers there. Six Colombians and more than 20 Ecuadorians were arrested for links with the group, which reportedly had worked with Mexico's Sinaloa cartel and mafia in Europe's Balkan region. Law 2292, the new law which frees female heads of households from prison, is now in use in Colombia. For the first time, a judge in Tolima has granted conditional release to a woman who had committed a crime motivated by poverty, for which she was sentenced to 39 months last year. She is sole carer of three children who are between 17 months and seven years old, the youngest of whose father was recently convicted for domestic violence against her. Her sentence has now been replaced with community work to be carried out part-time in allotments and environmental projects so that she can work, study and care for her family. In other judicial news, Colombia's Constitutional Court has banned the use of so-called parental alienation syndrome in legal debates. It is a controversial pseudo-theory from the 1980s which has been gaining popularity across the region. It's often used by judges to allow men to maintain custody of children, even when accused of domestic or sexual violence against partners or children themselves. The so-called syndrome suggests that children can be brainwashed by one parent into falsely accusing the other of abuse. It has been used in courts across Latin America to dismiss allegations of abuse, particularly in custody hearings. The Colombian court has now ruled that the syndrome has no scientific basis and no place in judicial debate. The ban is the result of a campaign by a group of mothers, psychiatrists and lawyers in countries across the region. The city of Barranquilla, where the Pan-American Games had been scheduled to take place in 2027, has lost the contract due to a failure by the Colombian government to pay the $8 million advance. 
Officially, the Games are now to be held in Paraguay, though various emergency plans are underway in Colombia to recuperate the selection. Colombia's minimum wage will increase by 12% this year, a 140,000 peso raise to 1.3 million pesos per month. The increase comes amid ongoing battles with high inflation for the country's economy. Last year, it was raised by 16%. Those were your headlines for this week. Thanks for listening, and Happy New Year. And we're back. This is episode 500 of the Columbia Calling Podcast. And yes, you, the listeners, have been clamoring for a big name, for someone who can well, provide us with a story worthy of 500th episode and, uh, well, no less than the dancer, the individual, the inspiration that is Fernando Montaño on the line from London with us. I don't think he needs a great deal of introduction, but I will say a little bit. I will say a little bit. He was born in Buenaventura, moved to Cali as a dancer, was seen and then was won a scholarship to dance in Cuba and train in Cuba. They're dancing for the National Ballet there. Was spotted again in Italy, moved to Italy to dance, was then interviewed for the role in the Royal Ballet in London, uh, got the part, not speaking English, became the principal of the Royal Ballet, is now a painter, a fashion designer, an artist, was meant to have his first art exhibition in December in Sofia in Bulgaria, but maybe it's coming to Colombia soon. I don't want to speak anymore because really this is all about Fernando. Fernando, thank you so much for coming on the Columbia Calling podcast. Hello, I'm delighted to be with you today, starting this 2024. <laughs> it's it's incredible. And I know that today, the day we are recording, it was snowing out of the window. You could see it snowing in London. How is that yes, for a boy yes. from Buenaventura? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very unusual. It's very unusual for a boy from Buenaventura, but even for people here in London, as I think it's been a very long time since yeah. we have last snow. And a snow that lasts, of course, if you've just come out of a huge storm, you're now into snow. It'll probably be dark in a minute yeah. or two over there. What a contrast to where I am now, where it's 35 degrees. It brings <laughs> me to you know, you've come a long way, Fernando, a long way since humble upbringings in Buenaventura. So on the Pacific coast, a troubled city, I would say, is the most yes. polite way of putting it. Perhaps you could tell us a little about your upbringing there in Buenaventura. You know, that's very interesting because when I was there as a child, um, my experience, or maybe just because I was a little boy, so you know, you didn't hear much about what probably was going on around the city. But my my upbringings were so, so beautiful. I have very good memories of Bonaventura. You know, the smell, the, the humidity of, of Bonaventura. Um, and of course, like the, the seafood, the fresh seafood that we get there in Chontaduro that probably not many people knows what is it. But yeah, this was like um, a very magical place. In my memories, Buenaventura, it was very, very magical. Um, that it was the place where, you know, I, I learned how to run, to walk, to to start doing my first steps of dancing, actually. But it's great that you should have this, this memory of Buenaventura in that way, because it means you, you describe something different to what exactly. we obviously see in the news every day. Now, now, especially I think now, I mean, I'm pretty much like at the time it wasn't that rough as it has become because I didn't remember in this four or five years, five years that we lived there, you know, when because I lived there until I was five years old, sorry. Mm. Um, I didn't remember to hear all this violence and all these things that, you know, like the 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 places at the moment um, live in. Mm -hmm. So so for me, it was a completely different experience. And, you know, now as a growing up person and, and, and getting reconnected with, the, with Bonaventura, 
as I've been trying to, to promote certain projects with Children Change Colombia, but also um, with um, some renewable energy projects that we are trying to promote and trying to, to promote over there. So it's, it's great to, to have that opportunity because I believe in the people and I think, you know, Buenaventura people may just need a little bit of a chance to to shine and, and opportunity. So, so if we can all try to help, why not just to try yeah, of course, if we all, uh, you know, actually invest ourselves in this. And of course, you must have seen that the first cruise ship in, I think, more than I 30 years. I heard about that. Yeah. Yes, I heard about that. That, And also for me as well, this Christmas, I mean, last Christmas, actually, <laughs> um, I was I was watching and, and I noticed that they did a beautiful lighting, which I, I mean, I never heard of it or something mm-hmm. like this before. So I think slightly bit like things started to change so it started to look a little bit more positive mm-hmm. and hopefully we will all gather together and you know try to make that reality to be different well it's it's baby steps it has to come a long way obviously but as you say i mean of the, the criminality there it's the people who suffer uh mm-hmm. and and i think even small things, like you say, like putting the lights up at Christmas, this gives a sense of belonging and local pride. And these yeah. things do move, I think, society in the right in the right direction. What is interesting to me, of course, is the Pacific Coast is a largely overlooked part of Colombia, and yes. we always hear about athletes coming from the yes. Pacific Coast. <laughs> and you, I mean, you are an athlete in itself, and sort of dancer, but. Of course, we know more about the football players, the people in the Selección and so on from the Pacific Coast. You originally, your dad wanted you to be a football player. <laughs> exactly, yes. I I just one day when I was 12 years old, I just hung up my football shoes and changed it for the ballet shoes. <laughs> um, but yes, it was, I think it's probably like quite natural for, for people in Colombia or Latin America in general because it's the most prominent sport that we can see around. So, yes, I did play football, and, and it was fun, I, I remember. But what I didn't like, it was just, you know, I've always been quite skinny. And, <laughs> and you know, all the bruises and the kicking. And so that was not that pleasant. So, so yeah, but it was fun at the time. Yeah. yeah, of course. So age 12, how did you make that transition? Because that's quite late to, to sort of take up dancing. It is true. Um, I remember when I was auditioning for the ballet school in Paul Ballet, which is the only ballet school that we have in the country and also in South America where you can do your academic and mm-hmm. um, artistic studies. Um, I remember they didn't want me. Um, the director wasn't sure, you know, Gloria Castro, which I, I, I adore because thanks to her in Paul Ballet Assist. And um, and then I started also my 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 ballet career there, but yeah, I remember she wasn't sure because I was too old to start doing ballet. Um, but um, fortunately, I did have the support of other teachers that were at my audition, and also uh, Alejandra and one of the ballet teachers and uh, Jairo Lastre and one of the four jewels of the Cuban ballet. Uh, at the time of my audition, she was there. And also she was the one that pushed apparently the most, saying uh-huh. that if we, if they didn't um, take me, she would take me with her to, to Cuba to study there. So I think they must have said, oh, he must got something, so we must take him. Yeah, I, I, if, a, if a Cuban professional with the history and the accomplishments that they have there could see something, in you then it has to be taken seriously that's the truth and so age 14 you were only in cali then training for two years age yes, 14 you were in cali yeah i i i live in colombia actually um until i was 14 years old um, because i moved to cuba afterwards um after i got this college and my second prize on the competition and um and yeah, you know, now as an, a growing up person, <laughs> I just think of how much hard must have been for my mother. Mm, because at the time I was so pleased just to go and, you know, become the better version of 
of the better the, the dancer that I could be. But um, but I didn't see that side of how hard it must have been for my mom and my papa and, and my brother and sister maybe just to let go like the, the, the baby of the family. Um, but still, it was it was very wonderful that, you know, they, my mom and they all made that sacrifice to let me go mm-hmm. and uh, to to Cuba because it did teach me so many things, um, not only, you know, to become a great uh, ballet dancer, but also as a human being, like so many values of, of appreciating sometimes when you have very little and how creative and how resourceful you can become because that's one of the things that I admire from the Cuban people yeah. that um, besides they have so many difficulties they always um, somehow overcome all those issues and difficulties that they have and of course you say the sacrifice of and letting the baby of the family go your your mother your father uh, it was an economic sacrifice as well. You had the, the, yeah. the scholarship to learn, but your living expenses were, were obviously put up by them. I've read about all of the sacrifices that your parents had to uh, engage in uh, and yes, losing houses yeah. and so on. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, you know, it's, it's incredible sometimes like how much families and, and parents, um, how much they do for, for their kids. Because, you know, at the time I didn't have a clue of many of those things, those problems that they were having behind back home because they didn't want me to be worried or they mm. wanted me to be focused on, on my studies. And um, and even, you know, that grandma in Cuba, which is, you know, Aide, Heide, that is, she was the lady that looked after me all those years when I was living in, in Cuba. She also made, you know, she she became my mom and papa and, and all those other roles of the family when while I was in Cuba, making sure that I will, you know, that I will always have a, a plate of food on, on, on the table, that, um, that I was happy uh, regardless of the other things that were going on. So it was a big change. Because even though Colombia is Latin America, Cuba is a completely different culture, politically as well, it was different. So there were many changes from one day to another. Mm-hmm. But again, for, for a boy, for a guy of 14 years old, it was, it was great because he made me grow, grow up a bit faster than many other kids yeah. at, at that age. But at the, at the same time, um, there were some tough moments that um that you know when i remember sometimes i even get emotional so don't uh judge me if i may cry um but yes it, it was uh it was very very special like my the having the opportunity to go and study in cuba yeah and i've been to cuba a couple of times but the last time was some years ago and of course we stayed in a a local family's home, uh, you know, the casas, the, yeah. uh, the pensiones, and so on. And the only thing that the family knew about Cuba was from an infamous soap opera, telenovela. So they wanted to only discuss <laughs> El Patron del Mal. What was, when you arrived in Cuba, what did they know about Colombia? Well, I remember they, I remember because even my colleagues at, at school, they used to say, but they thought that everyone will be like um, Margarita Rosa de Francisco because they saw uh, uh, Café con Aroma de Mujer yes. at the time. <laughs> and so so about those things. But funny enough, my my colleagues, they they never really mentioned, for example, like the, the, the problems of the insecurity that we were living in Colombia like because of the drugs and all these other uh, problems that we had there. So it was very interesting, but the telenovelas, the soap operas, this was like the, the way they know about what was really, or what other people, other countries kind of were living or the way they think. But of course, like life isn't it like a telenovela, isn't it a soap opera? So... So it was very funny because I I used to watch with my grandma as well, and 
she used to tell me um, and to rent those um, uh, telenovelas, soap operas that a lady have like a, a, a renting place. And, and yeah, we used to, to rent it from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting. I think my, my wife, who's Colombian, had to sit down and discuss El Patron del Mar yeah. with the family. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. it, it was curious to me that this was the cultural representation. But while life is not the same as the telenovelas, it is a cultural export. Um, exactly. Have you considered yourself a cultural export from Colombia to the world? Well, yes, because um, I always, I mean, I'm very proud of being Colombian and, uh, and I always try to promote it the best way possible that I, you know, within my um, power or in, within my art or in anything that I do. Um, and, and then again, um, you know, UK has been the country that I have lived the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, where I have done most of my career. And 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 so it's hard sometimes because I'm like a third culture kid, mm-hmm. a third cul- culture person, because I've been Colombia. Of course, I was born in Colombia, but then I moved to Cuba, and then I went to Italy, and now living in the UK. Um, all these different cultures, somehow I I have taken from them and and mm-hmm. still learning from them. Um, but then um, when I think about uh, home it's hard for me to tell because you know UK is is like uh, where I really maybe became more mature and and um, and have all my contacts and have done my career but I'm still Colombian yeah. so it's a it's a it's a it's a it's an interesting thing because um you know I just adore Colombia and as well as I adore, you know, UK. So it's, it's a mix of cultures that I, I always, I always try to, to be the best, you know, ambassador. As I say, this, this fascinating, I have a fascination with identity. Um, and of course, you know, I've lived overseas a long time. People ask where home is. My home is Colombia. It's where my professional and personal life have become one and my kids. But I'm interested to see my children, how they grow up. And, you know, they do say they are half English, uh, half Colombian, but they've lived their whole lives in Colombia. Uh, What I was fascinated about is you got to you got to London, to the Royal Ballet and not speaking English. Uh, And that. Puts you at a disadvantage <laughs> straight away, and I understand that you missed. Was it a, a performance because you you didn't yes. understand what was written down? Of course, of course. Yeah, my first that was in my first week, <laughs> and I remember the faces of my colleagues that like they were not very happy because it was you know when when you are um, in a theater in a company like the Royal Ballet, you know we do performance performances like almost every day and there are different casts but um there's always emergency because there's someone that is sick or injured last minute and then they have to replace it and again i wasn't injured i should even understood what was going on and and where do i have to check like the the casting if there is any an emergency emergency change or anything like that so yeah my colleagues were not very happy because they just thought that i may have been a little bit arrogant like saying oh i have to do a court ballet so i will not come but no it was nothing to do with that it was just literally that i just didn't know how to communicate and how to to speak and read all those mm. um notes and things so it was very very tough it was mm. extremely tough like not being able to communicate with the people but also i lost mom when yeah. i lost mama when you know just two months after i arrived so again that made me close myself a lot more and so my communication was even harder because my only way of expressing or, or feeling good with myself was just dancing. Um, but yeah, the the lack of speaking the language is is an it was a very very tough um, 
issue, but also, um, you know, when 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 you go abroad and and you change to a completely new country, it's it's not easy. So it was from every way you, I used to look, it was completely difficult. Um, but the dance always was were were there for me that it was helping me to keep going and um so that's what i'm very uh, grateful to to my art yeah and i you you mentioned that you mentioned that people maybe considered you as arrogant not not showing up is there a lot of jealousy and arrogance in the industry well of course there's um it's very competitive ballet yes. It's very competitive, and because it's also very individual, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's everything is after you. Um, but um, yes, it is. It is tough because everyone wants to get the roles, and everyone mm-hmm. wants to be at prom, and and all the time everyone get those chances. And um, even for me, I remember when I when I first arrived um, on my first. Year I got chosen to go to represent the Royal Ballet in their broom competition, which was a big, you know, a big great thing for me. But I knew that many other dancers that were before me in the company, they also would have loved to be going there, and they didn't got that chance. So, so it's it's it's, it's I think it's just part of the of the the work and and uh, yeah. But you, I mean, you trained as an understudy to, obviously, at the time, one of the greatest. And this must really have strengthened you to train and be the understudy of, the, of yeah. Carlos Acosta. Of course, of course. Having Carlos around and, and, of course, like many of the other big stars of the Royal Ballet, it was very inspiring. It was very mm-hmm. inspiring. Darcy Basel, of course. Mm. Um, so, because... Many of those stars, when I first arrived, you know, I used to see them just on the videos and, and knew about them. <laughs> but then when you have them and you have them and you can see them, um, you you learn and you get so much inspiration. And also um, it make you be, you know, try to get to their level. So it, it was, it was, it was, I mean, I've been very fortunate. Yes. <laughs> Well, it's it's hard work. There's obviously fortune there, but it's hard graft. Let's let's not uh, diminish the efforts yeah. that have been taken. One thing that really fascinates me is that in your own like, choreography and I think creativity, you've done uh, how would we say performances that highlight the issues of migrants. Uh, yes. something which is obviously very, very topical right now. And no doubt you've read the articles about the worldwide flow of migrants coming up through Colombia to go to the Darien and so on. How, how do you feel right now with this? Will you work, continue to work on this subject, uh, on this topic? Yes, yes, because, you know, those are topics that are very relevant for, for society right now. And not even just in Colombia. I mean, worldwide, we are living, I think there are like five or six, six war, but no one's really talk about the others. So it's, it is, it is just challenging t- uh, time for everyone. And, and, and Colombia, again, it has been suffering for so, so many years for several reasons, different reasons. And so it is important for me as an artist. Um, use you know some of, of those tools uh, of 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 art to express and try to not only raise up those issues but also trying to find solutions and also maybe give a little bit of hope and and happiness to people because there's already there's already so much uh, horror and 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 hate and um and uncertainty in the world that why uh, the arts have to also sometimes be focusing in in the dark and the the sadness and instead i like to be a little bit more mm, hopeful and try to portray things that 
will show those issues, but again, um, in a in a more um, joyful way or, or more inspiring way, so that people have um, lots of, of of time or moments in their life that are of happiness and see mm. beauty within the arts or 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 other things. Yeah, you you take this platform of which you have worked for. And of course, to send a message, and uh, I would get in trouble if I didn't um, mention <laughs> Children Change Colombia. Uh, you are obviously yeah. a patron, uh, the patron of of Children Change Colombia, of which I am a, a trustee. And I know that you went down to the barrio of Santa Fe in Bogota and yes. saw the project down there. Did you? Yeah. I, I, I went down there. I managed to get the the British ambassador there for uh, yes. you. Um, did you did you i mean what was that experience like because it's pretty it's pretty nasty down there (laughs) oh gosh yeah it's i tell you the truth i have never ever even thought that we have a place like this in in colombia i just it was a completely like a shock to see you know all these young and i mean it's a mix and apparently because i was asking some of the of the people that they have like different areas, like the girls, like, you know, if you are, I mean, there are levels, mm-hmm. like you, if you are in this street, you are a little bit, you are able to charge a bit more money because, um, I don't know, some kind of a status or, so it was completely like tough. I mean, I have never really, really, it really touched me because, um, you know, sometimes when people don't have um, a proper job or something like this, like maybe they think, you know, their body is the, 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 the way of maybe trying to survive and selling their bodies like in um, for sex. So, so it was very, very uh, incredible. And also to hear some of their stories that some of them, they are escaping from other there was a Venezuelan lady as well mm-hmm. in the women. So it, it was very, because, you know, we live in this probably bubble world and, and me as an artist that I performing in the theater here and there. And, um, and then we don't really um, know that issues and problems like these, like very heavy problems are happening right now while we are talking so it was very 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 interesting for me to 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 go and visit this this area of colombia that i had never knew mm. that existed so and is happening yeah so on a on a personal note you know had had dance not given you an opportunity do you think you could have been you know one of the uh, displaced I mean, child exactly, yes of course, of course, of course, and the, and this is something that also when sometimes I go and do like talks, um, I always say this that I I was fortunate enough that I discover my passion and love from a very young age that I don't think many people have that chance, and also I believe that we have many talents. We don't have just one. Which also I found it hard because as an artist, many times I faced that issue that people said, oh, you are a dancer, you should, you, you should only dance, you shouldn't be doing other things. Which I always find it hard because, you know, I just need to express myself in a different way. So, so I know that uh, not everyone gets the opportunity to discover at a very young age what they want to do in life. Is uh, uh, you know anyone can be in one of those difficulties or, or in one of those situations that their families have to migrate and 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 then go and maybe don't have a an easy life. Yeah. Right. So I, as you say, we all have. Well, hopefully, many different skills, and you have started your own fashion line. Yes, and you told me off air that you are starting to work with uh, people who produce Mompos filigree. So where I am yes, now, tell, tell exactly. us about your fashion line. 
Yeah, well, it's a, it's a luxury brand. I try to be as sustainable po- possible. And um, I'm working, working with people from uh, Peru and, and Colombia in Montpose because the textiles that I use is alpaca. So it's, it's very organic. It's very organic. And also, you know, it's, it's beautiful for me to, to be able to make or to show all these like um, traditions that these Peruvian ladies have in, in, in the ways they knit. Mm-hmm. And and again in Colombia uh, with the filigrana, even though I not necessarily do filigrana, I do um, I do my own designs. But then you know they also uh, they made their touch, they made their magic. Um, so it's good for me to be able that not only to do like fashion or create something fashionable, but also to engage with those um, native people that have this history of working with textiles and also gold, as, as is, is the case in, in Montpost in Colombia. So to show that the skills that they have throughout my, my fashion. So it, it is, it is uh, lovely. I, I enjoyed it. And, and I'm a big fan of fashion since, since I first moved to Italy, to Milan, but also when when I started to get more involved with um, the late Dame Vivian Westwood, that also was the one that introduced me really to what, what was the fashion world. I was going to ask about, uh, you were quoted as being her muse for a long time, and you know she must have left an impression on you. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I miss her already. It's been actually a year since. Yeah. She yeah. passed away, and um, yes, because you know, with Vivian, um, she always well, she was my biggest critique when she used to come to see me dance. So yeah, sometimes she was tough, but um, it was uh, it was very special because she always encouraged me to to be the better version of myself not only as a dancer but also as a, as a human being and 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 yes i remember sometimes um i used to go to her studio and tell her maybe you know my issues and and then how she uh tried to say that you know you that i always have to you know to uh show uh the best way that I could I could ever be to become you know the most classical ballet dancer that maybe the Royal Ballet have and things like that so it was uh it was very special it was very special and also uh like there wasn't any filters between us so I always was very honest and she always was giving me a very honest opinion of anything um that we were discussing and you've moved into as we mentioned at the beginning Art? Are you painting? Is this what you're doing? Yes, yes, yeah. You know, it's it, this is something very, very interesting because um, my mom used to do pottery, and um, and she also used to paint and do. But since I was a kid, I used to make things for her. I mean, my painting is being known for my my late mother, my mother, and my family only practically only very very few people knew about that that i paint um, and and the reason that i went back to this is like last year i was feeling a little bit let down by some friends and 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 i went back into you know to my roots of painting and i was going to to have my holidays in the south of france and i lost these six paintings that i was doing during this period of time that I was feeling a little bit down because of those friends. And um, and I don't know why, but I just didn't want, I didn't want to lose those paintings because I spent so much time making them and I put so much love in it. And, um, and over the sudden, well, I lost them on the train and then I made like a public post just asking if anyone was on that train and if they may have seen it, if they could please just get in contact course i haven't found it and i don't think i will but 
um, over the sudden, like um, the director of the National Museum of Colombia, um, the friends of, of the of the museum, uh, Maria de los Angeles, uh, she said, "Oh, Fernando, we didn't know that you paint." And uh, and I said, "Oh, well, yeah, this is something like I kept just for myself. This is just you know very personal thing." Um, um, but then, then she said, oh, we will be very interesting to, to see, you know, the, the possibility to, to have, to exhibit your art in the, in the museum. So that's something that is, um, doing, I'm um, starting now, like to, to, to have the conversations to make that happen. But also, um, in Bulgaria, I, I got an, a sponsor that, um, you know, offered me to, to sponsor my first art exhibition in Bulgaria. I even though it didn't happen because I have to cancel there was a little bit of some difficulties there. Um, but still I did I never knew that somehow my art would be having so much interest on people. And um and yes, I um I done my first culture and I have few paintings now and I'm I'm doing much more and I'm getting some um conversations with some art galleries um in London and Paris. So, yeah, I'd say, I mean, you are you are an intensely private person, despite being a public persona. You are a private person. Maybe your art gives people the opportunity to see a bit more who you are. I, I think so. I think so. And also, um, I, I feel um, that I, I want to share it. I just don't want to keep it just for myself. So because something that i found very unique from painting um uh, you know if i compare it to the dance is that is something that will always stays that it will always remain on the canvas or, or in, if it's on a sculpture as on a sculpture but you know with the dance yes we can record the the performances and do videos but it's not the same um feeling it's not the same um it's not the same thing. So then when the, you paint something, you cut that moment and that magic uh, on that canvas that you put. And I think that's very powerful in terms of, of the um, longevity of, of the art because I, I was thinking, and, and actually when I, when I will be giving up, giving, you know, the, those paintings when someone will buy it and it will go away. Sometimes I, I, I feel already a little bit emotional that you put all that, but then I, I think it's, 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 it's good to let it go. Like, so then that is, it, it goes away, that it flies, that, that it, it, it bright their life of other people when they will see it. So it's, it's, it's a very interesting thing. Yeah. Uh, Fernando, you have shared so much with us, and I know that you're, you're incredibly busy, so I'm, I'm very, very grateful indeed. But with all these different projects, and this is how we, we'll bring this to an end, all these different projects and so successful, how do you hope later on to be remembered? As an artist. An artist. Okay, that's, as I, an that's artist, a good answer. <laughs> as an artist, as an artist, um, and why because as i was telling you earlier that sometimes people say like oh you are a dancer so you you just need to do this and i don't agree i i feel frustrated when people are so narrow-minded and 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 put you in in like a in a box that if you come from here or if you have this characteristic you should only do this which i don't i don't agree with that because i do believe that people do have many many talents and and sometimes the issue is like most of the time people don't discover those talents and um and i i think that's uh something that i wish people should you know should try to be more adventurous or or having more i always associate like my life have been um, a great adventure or a good venture and I was born in Buenaventura. So in Spanish, it made more sense because you say, um, my, mi vida ha sido una buena aventura, or my life is a great venture. But well, anyway, but it's, 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 I think it is important that people um, 
try things that never um, uh, you know block their self to to learn new things to do new things because there's so much to do in this world well yeah this is the title of your book as well isn't it una buena aventura una buena aventura una buena yes. aventura so it makes sense to me carlos i mean carlos i keep saying uh, carlos acosta in my carlos, head because of course because we were talking about carlos yeah and that's why course, it's in my head yeah. I, I apologize immensely fernando thank you no, so no. much for your time and for opening up of course you were the first colombian the Royal Ballet, first principle. There's now four Colombians, I believe, at the Royal Ballet, but you are the first. You have danced all and performed all over the world uh, to you know, some of the, the most recognizable people. Uh, I know that Michelle Obama is up there, the Queen and so on. Uh, you are a patron, of course, to Children Change Colombia and other entities out there, organizations. So, I mean, and that you have time to paint, you have time to design, you have time to choreograph is amazing to me. So thank you uh, that you gave us time uh, to speak here on episode 500 of the Columbia Falling podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful. All uh, right. What can we see you in next? Very quickly. So my well, what can we see? Uh, my next performance is going to be in Italy, in Sicily, and also I will go back to the Arena di Verona next summer and uh, and I think I hope I be soon in Colombia also showing my art and and doing some other things okay so there you go you got it who heard it here first Sicily Verona hopefully Colombia soon thank you everyone to listen for listening to this very special episode of the Colombia calling podcast episode 500 with Fernando Montaño uh, incredible conversation incredible conversation and thank you again we'll be back next week with further interviews about colombia or colombia related but this has been an absolute pleasure uh, to listen to the story of a real inspiration from colombia to the world thank you and goodbye.